Hot off breaking, the press. I know. Breaking news. We literally are sitting here. It's a peel behind the curtain moment of uh, of the football lounge. We're getting ready to record. Dan walks off screen for two seconds. I pick up my phone just to check my phone. And Adam Schefter, it is 3.13 on this Monday, the uh, 5th of April. And 11 minutes ago, Adam Schefter broke the news. The Jets trade Sam Darnold to the Panthers for a 2021 this year sixth round pick and next year's second and fourth. Huge. So three picks in total, basically a second and a fourth rounder um, and, and a sixth rounder. I mean, overall, that to me, you heard it. My original my original like gut reaction was like, that's nothing. No, it's really not. I mean, the, the you know, scheme of things – it's um, you, you get a potential shot at a franchise quarterback, a guy who was drafted high in the draft just a couple of years ago, uh, you know, still on his rookie deal. This, this is a win-win situation for the Panthers. Oh, I mean, huge. they have nothing to lose here. A, a sixth round, and they get to hold on to the number eight pick this year. So it's like they get to have a dominant player regardless of what they choose to go with this year. And they get Sam Darnold. Who, yeah, he's a project, and you're not 100% sure if he's going to pan out. But you gave up a second and fourth rounder, essentially, for him. I mean, this this is great. And, you know, the Panthers obviously, you know, hope that that second rounder will be middle to late of the second round anyway. I that's huge. Huge news. Does he start here. right away? Does he start right away over Teddy Bridgewater? Well, that's a good question. I mean, look, I think I think it puts the pressure on. I think what the Panthers will do is they'll probably end up saying this is going to be a competition. And we're going to, you know, let Teddy fight for his job. Obviously, you know, he's under contract and stuff. So they're going to have him regardless. I, I think Sam's going to win the competition. I think Sam Darnold starts day one, but I don't think they commit to this right away. They're going to let them battle it out and let Sam win it outright. And then, you know, see where the chips fall in that regard. I have see if I was Carolina right now, I would take phone calls on Teddy because you could probably get back a fourth rounder for Teddy. You know what I mean? A fourth or fifth rounder. And you could say it would be your opportunity to any of these teams that are drafting a young quarterback. Hey, you want this guy in the room. You know what I mean? If you're, if you are, the Panthers might want him in the room too. You know, like, like, he might be a good guy. He's one of the best backups then in the NFL, if not the best backup at that point. I would agree. Teddy Bridgewater is the best kind of swing it's like he's a to me he's a better version of what you'd want to like Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. Where it's like he, if he's your starter day one, oh he's the, he's the best version of Andy Dalton right now. I'd be way happier as a Bears fan with Teddy Bridgewater right now going into the year than I am with Andy Dalton. He's the best version of that. Where he should he's a good enough to be a starter, but ideally he's the best backup in the NFL. And that's crazy. That's a great – I love that move. I love the move for Carolina because I think Carolina realized Atlanta – I bet Carolina was talking with um, with Miami. And I bet that San Francisco gave up more. And as we know, because they gave up a ton to get to three. And I feel like at that point in time, then they knew that the Jets and the Jags aren't going to move. And the Atlanta is not going to give them the pick to get the quarterback. I don't. I'm not sold on Atlanta getting a quarterback, but 
I think that Atlanta is not going to give their division rival a quarterback. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's just not that's just not how it works. Yeah. Because yeah. I guarantee the New England was calling Miami too, but Miami was not taking New England. You know what I mean? They weren't listening. And I still think New England is in play for that Atlanta spot as well as I think Denver, uh, Chicago, possibly some other teams should be calling on Atlanta making a push for that four spot. Well, and, you know, and this also clarifies things on the Jets situation in the draft coming up. You know, we've heard a lot of talks about people saying you don't get rid of your quarterback until you have one in the house, no matter how high of a pick you have. Well, here we go. The Jets are ready to move on. And look, it is the right move probably for the Jets, too. I I don't think you're going to see much of a resurrection in, in that environment. It was very, you know, it's like with Carson Wentz, you know, it's like, yeah, even if you switched out coaches and gave them new players, he just had to get out of Philly. Sam Darnold just has to get out of New York here. He, he yeah. goes to Matt Rule, who is a ascending head coach in the NFL, uh, yep. off of a really solid year one, and they are building. And they have a top pick, and they can get him a great weapon um, or a great protector on the offensive line. I mean, it's this is this is huge. Big stuff coming down the it's pipe. It's hard. I, right I think now. the only – I agree. Overall, I think the other thing that's the key to this is it resets the time clock, right? You get a young quarterback in, you have him time controlled for four years. The GM, the head coach could say, hey, now we're all on the same clock together, right? The GM's already been there for one year. Uh, Why can't they get the Jets GM name right now? But uh, he gets to get his guy in Roberts. Yeah, Yeah. he gets his guy in Robert Sala. This will be his first draft, even though he was hired right after the draft last year. Again, that's how much of a mess the Jets were. Remember, they fired the GM after his draft last year, like two weeks after it, because that's how bad it was. They bring in Joe Douglas. He now gets Robert Sala. He's going to get his quarterback. So now they have a four-year window. In four years, are they in a much better spot than they are right now? If they're not, then the Jets will be back in this spot rebuilding and starting over again. I think um, I think the only reason why you there was some real consideration about not drafting quarterback is that, first off, A, I do think Sam Darnold ha- still has the capability of a bright future in the NFL as a capable starting quarterback who could be in that 10 to 15 range of Zara's best quarterback in the league, which means if he is capable of that, which means that Super Bowl getting to Super Bowl type of level play, if he can stay consistent that, and you can get so much for the number two pick. We saw how much Miami got for number three. You get even more for number two. And then you say, well, is your a roster that needs a lot of pieces? Don't you do, do that instead? But they must feel that Zach Wilson is that much of a game changer at, at the talent level and also the resetting of the clock. It gives them, I get my guy, coach, get, I get my coach, and he gets his guy, and now we're all on the clock together. Crazy move. What a great way to start the podcast, man. That was, I literally, I'm so glad I looked at my phone. We could be starting here <laughs> recording, right. and uh, and if I didn't look at my phone right, literally 10 minutes ago, it's just, uh, this, what a crazy way to get uh, get this show going, man. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I'm looking at my Twitter timeline right now, and that's all it is, is Darnold talk. So, yeah, it's definitely big news. The the biggest news to come out of the league in, in a couple weeks. Um, but, uh, of course, we, we have a couple of schedule changes. And, uh, you know, I, I guess two weeks ago we didn't have an episode uh, last week, but there was that big trade with the Dolphins and uh, Eagles and 49ers in the draft moving across in those top 12 spots there. Um, but... In terms of player movement, this is uh, the biggest thing to happen probably since uh, 
uh, any free agency news or the Carson Wentz to the Colts, you know, this is uh this is a big deal. So it'll it be is. exciting to see kind of what goes on. So uh, as we uh, get ready to kick off the football lounge here on a Monday, April 5th, 2021, uh, we have uh, a couple things to touch on as I foreshadowed there just a few moments ago in regards to the NFL moving to a 17-game schedule. We also have some Monday night football um, news that just broke yesterday. And then on top of that, uh, we've got a couple other snippets in there to discuss as well. Until later on in the show, Mark and I will participate in a draft of the NFL head coaches, a snake draft, if you will. So Mark and I will uh, trade spots as we pick our NFL head coaches, uh, starting with who we have ranked as the best and moving on down the line. So that should be a fun one. Be sure to look forward to that. But Mark, uh, obviously we touched on the Sam Darnold news, uh, going to the Panthers, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with Teddy Bridgewater. Is there anything else you want to touch on in this move, or do you want to get right into the scheduling and all of that? No, I, you know, I think we covered it and everything. I, I, I personally, I don't know what Ryan – I just go to my Bears, and I think to myself, if that's really all it takes, to me, I where I would love to be inside – I don't really actually want to be inside the mind of Ryan Pace at all – but I would love to, for, you know, other GMs, I mean, other people that need a quarterback. I mean, San Francisco, obviously, they made their move to get up and go get him. Um, some of the other teams like, you know, Washington, Chicago, why, where is their evaluation on Darnold? And, and if it really was all just that to get him, uh, it, it just seems like that's not a ton to give up on a guy that could really help you not only win games this year, but could end up being your franchise quarterback. It That, to me, is it's just shocking. I, I would just be so much happier as a Bears fan if that was the Bears and not the Panthers who did the, the, on the other end of that move. And uh, I think if you're a Panthers fan right now, and I know you're down there in that part of the country and you cover the Panthers, uh, I think this is great for them. I, I really do. I think this could end up being a real home run and a perfect type of city and environment that could embrace a Sam Darnold and, and give him a real second chance with a real head coach and some good weapons down there in Carolina. So happy for Sam, uh, bummed for me. Yeah, you know, look, it, it, it may have been the case that the Panthers were trying to move up in the draft to get a quarterback this year because at that eight spot where months ago we thought Trey Lance was going to fall to that spot, now it's becoming more and more clear that four, maybe five quarterbacks will be taken inside the top ten and so their security maybe wasn't as um, comfortable as it was in the past. Maybe they were trying to move up, and maybe they couldn't find partners with either the Falcons or the Bengals, someone to move up. And they were like, all right, we got to take our shot here. Let's go get Darnold, move this thing forward. And as you said, they didn't give up much. So well, um, the Bears could have done something similar. We'll see if they actually did try and get in on the sweepstakes that we don't know about. Maybe they just couldn't find a partner. But um, – I agree with you. I mean, if you're talking about Andy Dalton or Sam Darnold, I mean, the risk is relatively the same. I don't see what the issue was, but. Well, there's a money thing. I know Darnold, yeah. you basically have to, you basically then have to accept, you Extend have to be it. willing to go into his five-year, fifth-year option, and that's like $19 million guaranteed. So there is some money things involved. I will say this, though. It also, to me, makes me believe the Panthers really had their eye. They liked three or four of the play, like, because the, the Panthers, they they must have really, really loved three of the quarterbacks. And yeah. I would imagine it was Wilson, it was uh, Lawrence, and then 
either Lance Field or Jones. One of those three they must have really, really liked. And then when they realize that they're not going to trade with Atlanta, and so there, there's the three, the guaranteed, the three that they really liked are going to be gone, and they must not, because that's just, that's saying something too. Carolina is basically saying to the NFL, two of these guys, whether it's, and I, I would imagine it's in that group of two of the three, Jones, Fields, and Lance, they're not willing to take it eight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or or they're, one they're, or one of them even. You know, because because yeah. Lawrence is a foregone conclusion, I would imagine for most. And teams. Wilson, it so looks even like if they like foregone conclusion, and and Fields and Wilson, uh, those three are likely gone too. So it's like, all right, well, well, if we're stuck with Mac Jones at eight, are we gonna are we happy with taking Mac Jones at eight? Yeah, and may, that maybe they're they're not. And that's about a, that's a that, message. Know? That's so. a message in and of itself. A team yeah. that needs a quarterback in the top ten is basically saying to you. If, you know, one of those guys, Fields, Lance, or Jones, were to happen to fall to us, we may just not want them. Like, mm-hmm. that, that, that they're not valued at that eighth pick. And I would imagine, from their, from their viewpoint, it would more likely be Fields or Jones, and most likely Jones. As you know, we'll talk more about this next week when we're going to do our quarterback special. I am not high on Jones. And so, uh, so is that, to me, that would be my final button on it, is that, Starting to you you see this move and the kind of the ripple effects this move has, it lets the le- rest of the league know too. Like, hey, you kind of get a peek into what's going on inside the minds of the Panthers and the Jets organizations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Mark. So uh, we talked about some of the big news uh, coming out of the league in the most recent couple of days here, and you know one of the big ones was the league moving to a 17 game schedule. That was a foregone conclusion. We were all anticipating next year to be 17 games. It's going to be really weird to say 10 and 7, 11 and 6, but we're going to have to get used to it. Yeah, 9 and 8's weird. That one hurts. 8 and 9 feels worse than than 7 and 9, doesn't it? It's it's all really weird. And and I I, I tweeted out when it happened. I was like, well, say goodbye to all the 500 teams because uh, no longer can you finish as a 500 club. I mean, even if you go 8 and 1. 7 and 10 feels terrible. It's gross. 5 and 12? Oh, God. And for some reason... Um, you know, you think back to the Lions winless season in like what was oh, it, 2011 or, or something. Yeah. Oh, and 16. Oh, and 17 feels way bigger for some reason. It's like, oh my it gosh, we're one in 16, two and 15. I don't know. It's weird. It's Though, one it game, does. But it feels bad. <laughs> but then on the same token, like 15 and two sounds cooler than 14 and two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, way cooler. That's for sure. And uh, 16 I, and one. Yeah, all that stuff is uh, it's, it's pretty neat. So my initial reaction is is twofold. And I think I don't know if I've said this on this show before. I, I've said on my own show before, is that I was I've never been a proponent of leaving 16 games. I, I I and I get it. More football, more football. I I think 16 was the perfect number. And they've been at 16 since what, like 72? Yeah, it's been it's yeah, been a long time. Early 70. Uh, they were 14 before that and 12, and I think 10 even and, and eight before that. Like the schedule's only grown. So this isn't something crazy. But to me, it also opens up my mind that I a, a couple things start jumping in my mind. The first thing jumped in my mind is like, okay, it's obviously this is the bridge to 18. Then the next thing that right. jumped into my mind is <laughs> 18 and and 20 feel like if there's no way in in my lifetime the NFL should ever grow more than either 18 or 20 games. Like that should be the absolute max. And I do think if the NFL is smart. They will hold off on going to 18 
for a while, in my opinion. So this is what I started to hear and then taking in other things. Two points that I've heard that I love, and um, neither of them are my idea, but I want to champion them. So first and foremost is the idea that you can have 17 games, but players can only start in 16 of them. So this idea of you protect the player's health by saying they can only start in 16 games or play in 16 games. Now, what that would force the NFL to do, especially if you grew, I think this idea gains more legs the more games you add. So say if you get to 18 or even, God forbid, like 20 games in like 2050 or something like that. You would then you have to expand the rosters. So the NFL Players Association could be for that because you're expanding the rosters. There's more money, so you'd add. You get from 54, you go to like 75 man rosters. So you have an immense amount more depth. You're giving guys more jobs, but you're also then saying, hey, we're concerned about player health. The human body. We're only going to say you can only play in 16 games. So I love the idea of the intrigue that that could eventually create. With holy crap. Which 16 games do I start Patrick Mahomes in? Do I just start him the first 16 and then give him rest before the playoffs? Do I start him and then what if he gets injured and then I use those games as an injury game? There's a lot of intrigue to that. I don't know how viable that is, though, because the NFL is so built on star power, like every league, too. You know, how much would you tune in or not tune into a game based on how much your team is playing? But it would it, it would totally prolong guys like a Cam Newton's career right now Oh, my God, what teams wouldn't want to have Cam Newton to be their guy that they guarantee he's going to start like two games as a backup? You know what I mean? So there's some intrigue there. I think that's, though, more of an idea, and I don't know who first came up with that idea. It's not mine. Uh, Credit to someone else. But that's more of an idea if you get to 18 or possibly 20. Part of that that I love about that idea is roster expansion. And then, Dan, I'll present this other idea, and then I'll and then I'll see, want to hear what your thoughts on both these and your initial thoughts. This idea that I actually love, and it's from Nick Wright, the First Things First host, FS1. I heard him talk about it in Colin Coward. Now, I don't know if he got it from somewhere else, but I want to champion this idea. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant idea. I really do. Stay with 17 games for a while. Give it five years, 10 years. And what you do is, instead of one team getting eight home games and other teams getting only, or nine home games and one other team's getting eight, every team gets seven, uh, eight home, eight away, like the 16-game schedule. But every single team that gets to play in that 17th game and they spray some out throughout the year. So each every single week, there is a prime time international game in one international city so think of it like the like the like the roaring like a tour you know a dog and pony show so think week one you get the you know chiefs and the chargers in tokyo and it's played at a time where it makes sense tokyo time so they're not watching it like two in the morning tokyo time but it's also on american television at a unique time and it's and it's built up as this big event and the teams get a bye week after that, and that's, you know, one of their buys. And then week two, you get, you know, Jaguars and, and uh, Tampa Bay in Sao Paulo, Brazil. You know what I mean? And then week three, you get Chicago and, Oak- and uh, Vegas in, uh, in Munich or Berlin in Germany. And Nick Wright was explaining this, and I thought to myself, oh, my God, that's just another way the NFL could grow the game, dominate – you don't have to worry. You obviously London would be the majority of the games, 
But then you could also expand it to other cities. You build in the bye weeks around these for these teams for the 17th game, and you make it a spectacle that every team gets international exposure. Pick a world-class larger city where time zones work. Toronto. But you do a lot of the Canadian cities, Montreal. You do you do Mexico City. You do a lot of the South American cities because time zones work that way as well. You know, you do stuff in Hawaii. Do the Pro Bowl location. Maybe do a game in Alaska in Juneau. Get creative. Get wild. Get crazy. Do something in Moscow. Do something in Beijing. And be really funky with it. And how cool would that be knowing that there's 17 games, but every year your team gets to play in an international city, on an, a neutral field, helping promote the game and promoting your brand. I think owners would buy into it. I think players would buy into it. You would service this idea that you're you know, servicing the London community without having to move a team there because you're going to play a lot of these games going to be the London, uh, London games. I think it would be something really, really cool each week. Maybe not the final week of the season, so you, 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 have, you, know, you don't have to worry about that travel-wise going to the playoffs. Maybe you cut it off week 15 or something like that, so you double up some London games. But I heard that from Nick Wright. I love it. I want to promote it. I think that would be a cool way to, to address it. As of right now, and the way it is, I think it's fun. It's cool. It's interesting. I, I hope my team gets more home games than not. But otherwise, you know, it's more football, more competitive football, more uh, gambling, more eyes, more money. And the NFL is, you know, it dominates. It's king. Yeah. I mean, I think as a concept and as an idea, it's fantastic. I would absolutely be in favor of that. I think it's a great idea. The, I guess the biggest hurdle would be, you know, you got to make sure that the infrastructure is in place to pull something like that off in multiple venues. I mean, I know at, London's already established. Mexico City is established, although they've had issues even playing games there as of late. The altitude, yeah. With, the, uh, with, with that and, and, and the water and, and a lot of things like that. Um, I think Canada would be a great place to start. And, and another thing, Mark, is, is this would serve as a really good test run as well for an eventual expansion team that we know is inevitable. It's, the NFL is going to expand in the future. It's just whether or not if that's going to happen in the next five years or in the next 15 to 20. But we know teams like the Jags are likely moving to London or somewhere internationally. And along with that is going to have to come another team because the league is going to have to expand two at a time in that regard. Or maybe they want to go big and expand by four. Who knows? Uh, I think doing several years of that kind of test run at these neutral sites, you can maybe gauge fan interest and, um, you know, practicality in terms of travel and all of that things. I mean, the, the travel's the biggest problem, right? I mean, London's already kind of an issue, but it works in a vacuum. But if, if you're talking about 32 teams in the league having to figure out a way to schedule these international games to where they can fit their following week or their previous week around it, that's where the problem lies is that you have to plan around one game, essentially using two games on the periphery as well, because you're either going to have to provide a bye week on the back end or on the front end. And then on top of that, maybe you're going to have a game where, Hey, you're going to play in Moscow this week on a Sunday early afternoon. Next week, you're going to have, you're going to play Monday night on like the East coast or something like that. And we're going to set yeah. you up with an ability to, to just spend your whole week on the East Coast practicing there so you don't have to do all this traveling. I mean, obviously, there's a lot the that NFL goes into it. The NFL could do it. There's a they, lot of people they that can would, figure you're, it out. you're absolutely right. 
It's a fascinating idea. It was. It's the only of all the stuff that I've heard of since the 17 games happened. That idea from Nick Wright was the most one that struck me as like, it's crazy, it's weird, yes. but I kind of like it. Well, yeah, you know, and it makes it a worldwide sport. Such, that would be phenomenal. Yeah, we're such fans of the game, expanding it in that way. And, and having been to a London game at the new Tottenham's Hotspur Stadium when it you know is the first NFL game that opened there two years ago, Bears, Raiders, that was so cool. And getting to travel and like being on the plane ride back from London and like this plane, this giant jumbo jet was 75% Bears fans headed back from London to Chicago. It was like one is really cool experience. You know what I mean? Just all these fans and all these people traveling. So I liked it overall, Dan, though, thoughts on 17 games. I mean, I, the only thing I, the only, the only thing I, I struggle with it. And, and again, it's just one of those things that's changed. And over time, everything course corrects is that now, like, you know, well, the, the records, you know what I mean? You have to start saying, yeah. well, okay, that was the record during the 16-game season. That was the record during the 17-game season. It'll be easier for us to keep track of now because modern record-keeping is so much better than it was when you talk about, oh, well, when the Bears played the Giants in the 1940s, that was like eight-game seasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was exactly. so it, – it, you do – I do want to make sure, you know, we're prefacing things – and and you start to go into those things like you know we we're talking about the Phil Rivers getting into the Hall of Fame like the stats the adding up you, we're in a, we're at a time when the NFL where stats are already inflated this is just going to make it even more so in that way I think I think we're going in the direction of like valuing quality of play over quantity so you know by that I mean you, th- there are you know newer stats as you kind of alluded to there like NAA, where which is average net yards per attempt. That type of thing is an algorithm that's, you know, it. I, I couldn't explain it all to you right now. I don't know it off the top of my head, but I know it involves interceptions, touchdowns, um, average depth of, of yard passing, all of that, and then attempts completions all into one and kind of combines that. That is something that I think the league is moving towards anyways, and and maybe in 30, 40 years down the road, we won't necessarily be talking about, hey, so-and-so threw for 5,000 yards in the season, but rather so-and-so had the sufficiency rate of this. You know, like it it was was so phenomenal. And so I think in that regard, the extra game won't play that much of a factor. And then another thing I was thinking about too is for, for at least the the diehard fans of the league and the NFL, the students of the game. I think even to this day, they appreciate what OJ Simpson did in his 2000 yard season in 14 games. And it's still to this day lauded as like, it's mentioned all the time. Hey, yeah, some people ran 2200 yards, but look at OJ and he did that in 14 games. So I think people can understand things in context in that regard and to, I th- to your point, I think it's a great one, is that the more uh, adept we are at keeping stats, as we are in this day and age, the the more we'll be able to kind of put things in context and be able to appreciate things in, in that regard. So I don't think it's a huge problem. I understand it. And, you know, even, even people will go back and say, well, okay, let's look at a 17-game um, span for Earl Campbell's season, right? We had a 2,000-yard season. Let's look one yeah. game further and see what he if did in 17 it, games, yeah. right? I guess the question comes then, do you include the the game prior to that season or the game after, uh, you know, and then how do you kind of work that out? But regardless, yeah. 
honestly, I think it's a move that was coming regardless. And I agree with what you said earlier. Like, it's going to be 18 games. I'm surprised they didn't just make it 18 games. Like the, I, I don't want, I don't like the, the tiptoeing around it. I'd rather, if we're going to, if we're going to get to 18, eventually just get to 18. Don't make it 17 yeah. for three years and then 18 in 2025. That just kind of, that's kind of annoying. And it's, it's kicking the can down the road. Um, and, and they only got rid of one preseason game. I thought for sure they were going to two. So I guess in, in that regard, they're thinking we'll give uh, some of these, you know, underprivileged players another opportunity in a third preseason game to make a roster. But we'll see. I, I, I think they should expand the roster. If you're going to expand the, the season, yep. expand the roster and, um, and, and give guys more opportunities uh, because you're lessening the if preseason. If it's 54 so. man – if it's 54 man with 16 games, I'd like to see at least 60 man rosters with 17 games. Yeah, I think 59. Uh, eventually, you know, they have to be 59 like the last week before the season. I think if you just if so if maybe just go it, with 59, the, just keep it at that and and don't make them cut cut six guys to 54. Yeah, yeah, or or have those six guys and allocated ex- or, to practice and, and squad, have an expanded you know? practice squad too. Yes, have an expanded practice squad. Which yeah, they I did agree. This year, they should just um, keep what they had this year. I agree. I think they should as well. I will say this in in moving into the other point, which is the Monday night football thing. And if like I this again, the what makes the NFL so great is that so many teams are in it towards the end. You got that in the hunt graphic. You know, Bears yes. fans are famous for the in the hunt graphic <laughs> the past couple of years. Claim to fame. And that now that now is only more expanded. Not only with the seven teams still in each, you know, they're they're still keeping the one seat. Remember, it's only the one seat gets the bye. So it's seven teams in the playoffs. And uh, with the expansion, the extra game, it keeps so many more teams, so many more fan bases interested. And then the NFL, so brilliant. Who cares about opening day? Make it one marquee game. The second Monday Night Football game wasn't getting good ratings anyways because it was like East Coast, West Coast. It was always a second, you know, NFL, like ESPN, Monday Night Booth. It wasn't great, and they've decided, Dan, to make the final game of the like Sunday night a double header on the final week of the season with four teams, two games that are going that are a play, massive playoff implications. Both, I think they saw what happened with the idea of the Eagles and the and the Giants, was it, or the Eagles and the and the football team? Like what happened with the NFC East at the end in the last game was that yes, Eagles yeah. game and. How much that was talked about, how fascinating that was, how the NBA is doing their little play-in tournament thing. This is kind of going to be the NFL's version of that. You're going to have two games, four teams that are most likely all like all four of them are going to need to win to get in type of scenarios and on the final last two games of the season. I think it's brilliant because that'll help them cover up for the fact that you guarantee always have eight or nine games in that final week that just don't matter at all. Mm-hmm. And if you can guarantee that you have at least two games that matter, and they're the final two games that the, the NFL public watches on Sunday afternoon and Sunday night, then Monday morning, what are we going to be talking about? We're not going to be talking about the fact that the Packers blowing out the Lions didn't really matter at all, and it was boring because yeah, the Lions have been out of it since week seven. We're talking about the fact that, oh, my God, Dak Prescott choked. And he lost to, to the Giants, and the Giants are in. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and and then, oh, my God, Seattle beat San Francisco. They get the one seed. They get, you know, that's what uh, the NFL, again, they just take up space so well. Brilliant marketing move from then. And it all ties in. 
17 games, the 17th game with the doubleheader, getting it, moving it, switching it, making those games basically play in games. Oh, it's going to be brilliant. I can't wait. And just wait until, um, you know, more news drops in terms of what the NFLPA is able to negotiate in terms of contracts. I mean, we're going to watch the yeah. player contracts skyrocket over the next couple of years with, hey, we're playing an extra game and then eventually play an extra two games. Once it goes through an 80-game yep. schedule, the, the Patrick Mahomes deal may may seem like a, a little bit of a cheap one uh, Come you know, yeah. in, in the next six, seven years. We'll, we'll see how that kind of plays out. So, yeah, I'm fascinated by it and intrigued. Something to go along with kind of the scheduling next year, Mark, was that the news that the M- the Monday night football doubleheader to begin the season is no more. And so yeah. there there are some mixed views on this from what I've noticed. And, you know, I'm not entirely sure exactly how I feel about it, although I think I like it. But I only like it because of what they're doing uh, to amend it. So to make up for the lack of a doubleheader on Monday night, what the NFL is now doing is they will provide two Saturday games in week 18, the final week of the season now. Yeah, like um, I was just saying. Yeah. Exactly. So, so because they're doing that, that's going to – they're going to prioritize playoff games, as you mentioned, and apparently 13 games in the early and late Sunday afternoon window is what's going to be – what's going to happen the first week of the season. And then the final the week 18, they're also going to provide one Sunday night football game, which will feature the top flexed game of the weekend. So kind of what you were talking about there is we're going to get the best football the week before the playoffs, like all across the board, all like, you know, drama, drama, drama. We're used to them flexing games, of course, but this is, this is mandating, like this slot is reserved for the best of the best period. And that's what's happening here. Uh, those two Saturday games are going to be phenomenal. It's late afternoon and prime time. Um, and, and, and no one's going to really know who's playing until the week before, you know, you're not going to know what's well, not, I shouldn't say the week before probably, you know, shortly beforehand, maybe 10 days or something like that. So I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how they kind of, you know, intertwine all of that into the week 18 to make it the spectacle of the springboard for yes. the wild card round for the postseason. The postseason is going to be interesting to watch as we go forward, Mark, because this year is the first taste we got of the one team getting a, a one seed and a buy, you know, and, and now we're getting into 17 games. We're getting into the 18 weeks there's a lot I think this year that we're going to learn from if you if you look back 30 years from now the 2020 pandemic season and the 2021 adjusted new season are probably going to go down in history I mean you can make a documentary out of the past year and a half and then add on this next season too I'm I'm fascinated I think it's going to be great yeah no I agree and and like like I was saying I think prioritizing good football and talked about football in a time of your season when you know you're going to have half the league that's not in competition anymore, prioritize those big games, make that, you know, those ratings, hit those home, and make the TV companies pay for it. You know they are in this new deal that they're coming and negotiating. And 
when when the first game of the season happens, we're just so excited for football. We don't we don't need the two games. The first Monday night football yeah, game can just yeah. be one game because we're just pumped and it's Monday night football's back. Like, you yeah. know, and I and how many times have you not stayed up for the second Monday night game? I, I know like by halftime or something, it's a West Coast game, it's ten o'clock, eleven o'clock central. It's like, oh, if it's kind of boring already, it's Denver losing ten to, you know, twenty-four to, you know, whoever. It's like, all right, well, you know. I'll, I'll figure out in the morning, I'll turn on Mike and Mike in the morning and, I, and I'll get catch up. You know what I mean? Or at this point in time, just greeny and greeny and greeny all over, greeny everywhere, but I'll get catch up. So it's, um yeah, I, I like, again, it's just the NFL knowing how to claim space and working their space really well and understanding that they have the most valuable television product in the world. And if you want it, we're going to make it you're we're going to make you pay for it and we're going to make it work for us as much as possible to just dominate everyone else and that's what they're doing and i love it i love it i love it i love it dan yeah i mean more football is better i think back to years ago and i think mark cuban's a really smart businessman and i think he's um you know really smart in a lot of ways um but i remember years ago he had a soundbite about how oversaturation is the detriment of any business and he kept talking about how the NFL is going to drown itself in content to where it's going to squeeze every ounce of possible window it can, and then it's eventually going to just blow up in its face. Nowadays, I'm looking at that statement, and I'm thinking, I don't know what you're talking about, because the more the NFL expands, the more the NFL pushes its product uh, out there, the more interest it gains, the more popularity it gets. Pete... The, the thing is, the NFL understands its fan base and they understand their sport. And they they know people want the content. So not only are they expanding the game and doing all this stuff with Week 18 and, and making it uh, more interesting games in the final week, but, but they're finding windows here that they can constantly push it out there. If the NFL was, you know, people used to think, if the NFL was on seven days a week, it would damage the product and it would make it water it down. I'm at the point now where I'm not so sure that's true. I'm not so sure. Like people still like you well, can't you I, can't do it to the point where Sunday becomes two games. It, Sunday has to be a day full of games, okay? And then you have specific days around it where you can sprinkle in one game Monday, one game. But I'm saying if you if you have one, we already have a game Thursday. Every now and then we have a game Saturday. We have games Monday. We have games Sunday. That's four days out of the week. I mean, if you put one other game on a, on a Wednesday, I don't think anyone would be upset about it. it is is basically well, my no. Point. I mean, it worked. It worked in gimmicks and every, I, I just think again, you you the NFL. I agree with you that the, they wouldn't be beat out ratings wise, but I do think the NFL, as long as they keep it in that tight window, what I. I don't necessarily disagree, but I would I would argue my larger point of too many games overall getting beyond eighteen. You know what I mean? Like I, yes, I agree yeah. with when you. When we're talking in about that, quantity of games, that's a different thing. Yeah, yeah. And because I, and I keeping agree with the you, schedule and the urgency go further than that. I just also think that the NFL they've done a they've done a pretty good job to make sure that they don't overextend teams or it's not too unfair where it's like, hey, you play on a Thursday. We'll give you either a bye week or you're going to play in the following Monday or you're not, you know. But I, I just, 
right now I'm I'm very content with the Thursday, Sunday, Monday schedule. And the NFL knows too, it benefits them to not drown out college football. Right. It they want college does. football to create stars and so they and then for free for them. And so and and they know that Friday nights high school football high school. is yeah. something that they they want it they want to also also cultivate that in America as well and not drown that out. So it's an interesting thought, but yeah, I as yeah. long as they don't go too far above 18. Like I've said, 20 to me it I would not be in favor of going to 20, but there's in my lifetime I if it's ever more than 20 that. games if it's ever more than 20 games in my lifetime, I think they've made a bad I think they've made yeah. a mistake. I, would I think agree. 18 See how 17 goes. Let's and then eventually they'll get to 18, and then let's let's ride that out for 20, 30 years it's, and it's see how dangerous. it goes. Like they wrote, it's dangerous they, too. They I mean, wrote I out. Seen a lot of players yeah. not happy about 17. Pigs like, get fed, hogs get know. slaughtered. They, yeah. and it's and so they do have to be careful. Especially the NFL has done a good job. You know, as all the downfalls they could have had from Ray Rice to Colin Kaepernick, and there are. Plenty of social justice warriors out there who work for some of these publications who want nothing more than to see the NFL die and then just to promote the MLS. There are those people out there. So they've done a good job of managing that and staying strong and growing. But it's still one of those things where it's like pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. Let's see how 17 goes, and uh, we'll go from there. Absolutely. Um, so we, we've covered a lot of the scheduling there. That's definitely – uh, you know, the biggest news that's broke over the last week outside of, uh, you know, the trade. Is there anything, Mark, you know, we can touch on this real quick before we get into our coaches draft here. Is there anything, you know, major takeaway that you have out of the Dolphins essentially trading away the number three overall pick? They eventually moved down to 12 because the, the, the Eagles had, or I'm sorry, six, right? And the Eagles had well, they went to twelve, and then they took that Niners twelve and got to six with the Eagles. With yes, the Eagles, the Eagles, so are, the now Eagles are now the twelfth pick. The Dolphins end up with the sixth overall pick, and they traded their third overall pick to the 49ers. The 49ers gave them a haul that they couldn't pass up on, including future firsts and uh, and second rounders and third rounders as well. So there, there's a lot into there. Essentially, Mark, the 49ers are drafting third here. And that's the biggest news, I think, to come out of this entire trade. And maybe the fact that the Eagles decided to get out of the spot at six, which many people thought they were going to stay there and try and get their quarterback. So uh, you got the 49ers at three, the Dolphins at six, and the Eagles at 12. Is there anything that really stood out to you in terms of that move between these three teams? So on paper, I think it's actually a win for all three. Uh, but, you know, as draft trades go, you can't grade the draft grades until three years from now. You know what I mean? When you've taken the players and then you see what you've actually done with the players. I love that Miami went back up in there because as we were talking about before we started recording, and we'll talk about this with our draft preview shows, is I really do believe there could be quarterbacks one through four. And if that's the case, if you're sitting there at five through ten, you have – Arguably, the five best players in this draft, besides Trevor Lawrence, are all wide receivers and offensive linemen. Uh, you know what I mean? And they're all going to be available for you. You're going to have your pickings, and everyone's going to get a game-changing all-star level player in 5-10, through 10, which is not always guaranteed. And so I think that's something that Miami was great to get back in there. For Philly, I love it because they, again, they, they are doing – 
what I thought maybe the Jets could do is where it's like, you know what? We realize our roster needs a ton of work. And also they're saying, we invested a second-round pick in Jalen Hurts. We are going to give Jalen Hurts a chance here to be the starting quarterback. But we, but also gaining players and gaining picks and building our roster. That way, if Jalen Hurts isn't good, they're going to be in the top 10 next year. Even if they get good players, which I think they will with these draft picks, they're not going to help them necessarily win games if their quarterback's not good. So they're going to be in a position to still get a quarterback next year if Jalen Hurts isn't the guy. Or if Jalen Hurts is the guy and you realize that, hey, you've also added picks and players to build around Jalen Hurts. And then finally, for the Niners, again, it just comes down to, you know, some of the reports I was hearing today is that John Lynch, he wants fields, and it, uh, but, but Kyle Shanahan wants Mac Jones. And it's going to come down to, I really firmly believe, I believe very highly in John Lynch and Kyle Shannon. I think they're a great GM coach combo and they built a great culture in San Francisco. And this is going to be so fascinating. And I really believe that whoever goes to San Francisco is going to be very good. They're going to win because that system's great. Yeah. They have great players around them, but will they win at the level they should as far as like Super Bowls, what's going to be expected? I think that a lot of that depends on if Lynch gets his way or if Shanahan gets his way, and I'll and I'll get more into that next week. Yeah, definitely. We've got a lot to go over in terms of the draft. Of course, it's April, which means it's going to be a, a draft dominated month for the NFL and for us here at the Football Lounge as well. So you're going to want to stay tuned to kind of get our thoughts as these weeks progress. Next week will be a big show. And then the week of the draft as well, which is April 29th, Thursday, April 29th, to open things up. Um, we're, we're going to have some thoughts early that week, and we'll provide you with our mock draft of that first round. So plenty to look forward to there. Uh, and and we've really covered the big news of the past uh, 10 days or so, Mark. So uh, up next here we have what uh, what Mark kind of brought to the table a couple weeks ago uh, in, in regards to kind of ranking the top head coaches in the NFL. And it's an interesting thing because at first sight, Mark, you'd, you'd think like, oh, well, that's pretty easy. But then you think, okay, well, this is about kind of deciding who's going to be the head of your, your team. We're, we're going to put on our, our caps right now and be the president of an NFL ball club and say, you know, who's going to run our teams here for this foreseeable future? So when it comes into consideration, I would imagine, you know, the Bill Belichick's and things, while we consider Bill Belichick to be the best head coach of all time, you're not necessarily going to pick him number one overall because the league has changed. There's a lot going on, and we're talking about building a franchise from scratch here as we get going. So, Mark, I'll let you kind of introduce the concept here as we get ready for the snake draft. Yeah, so I got. we're going to go through it. We're each going to make 10 picks. So we're going to take, in our opinion, who are the top 20 coaches. Then when we're done, we'll look through the list and be like, hey, we left those guys off the list. Do they belong in the top 20 or not? And kind of we can debate that a little bit as well. Um, we're going to flip a coin to see who goes first. Uh, it's snake drafts, if you know from your fantasy drafts, uh, whoever gets the first pick then, um, they get the first pick. But then whoever gets second pick gets number, picks number 10, and pick number 11. So they get to go back-to-back -to -back 10 and 11 to kick off the second round. Kind of flip-flop it that way. So, Dan, you got the coin there? Are you ready? I have the coin. Yes, sir. All, all right, right. I'm going to so, let you call this, uh, I'm gonna, all right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a heads guy. So a heads guy. All right. We'll go heads. We're going with the flip here. 
Oh man. Who gets the pick? Oh my god, a terrible catch. It was a terrible. You are not Jamar I, I didn't Chase. even catch it. It's on the table. I'm gonna look at it. Head and it is heads. So Mark Hespin gets All right. pick number I one like out of the gate. I would actually, uh, I would, uh, can I defer and take pick number two <laughs> so, no, and then you get can't. 10 and 11? You cannot. You cannot. That is. All uh, right, fine. All right. <laughs> not how this works. I, I will go pick number, I'll go pick number one, and I'm going to go a no-brainer here. It's still the best coach in the NFL and the greatest head coach of all time. I'm going to go Bill Belichick. He's going Bill and Belichick. I get it. He's there older. He's older, but I don't want to overthink it. I think Bel- Belichick's the type of guy that even in his age, he's got a lot of energy in my organization, he wouldn't be the general manager, so I, yeah, I wouldn't have to fair. worry about his bad drafts. And, uh, you know, I I could still get – if you tell me I could get four years out of Bill Belichick to start my program, I'm 100% taking that. It's kind of like LeBron James right now. I would still probably take LeBron James right now because I still feel like I get three really good LeBron James years, and I would just – I can't not build my program around that. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand that completely, so – Makes a lot of sense. All right. For my first pick, number two overall, I think, you know, and this is honestly a bit of a tough one here, but I'm going to go with Kyle Shanahan because the guy has succeeded <laughs> with quarterbacks everywhere, and it is a quarterback-driven league. And I think you got to go with the guy that also works well with quarterbacks, not only, but has a scheme that is – run heavy so he's able to build a scheme that works well with quarterbacks of all different skill sets while at the same time putting an emphasis on offensive and defensive lines which is something that still is a, a premium in the NFL this, this was this was actually pretty tough for me like in terms of how I rank the, the the coaches because he is so young and he's he's not necessarily proven there are plenty of other Hall of Fame coaches to be to take out of the pool but this was someone I wanted to make sure I got. So I'm going with Kyle Shanahan here at number two, and I know I, that that might be a bit I, early, but I'm doing it. Thank you, thank you for that pick because no now problem. I'm getting the the second to me what I think is the second You're best coach Andy the Reed. guy I'd want second. I'm getting Andy Reid. So Andy, Andy Reid number three overall. You, you know Andy Reid again. If you're going to tell me age is a concern. Um, but again, he grooms coaches really well. So I would feel very comfortable. Whoever's Andy's offensive coordinator for two or three years, four years, if I get Andy for that long transitioning into that role. And I still think, you know, it's one of those things we talked about with Eric bien I, I don't know. Eric bien I get it. He should be a head coach based on he's better than a lot of the head coaches in this league right now, I would argue. But who's to say that Eric bien is not being uber-selective and knowing that if whoever – the Kansas City job, when it becomes open, will be the greatest opening in NFL history. And at least it's on track to be. So I, it, it's not to say Eric bien couldn't be that guy. So – Andy Reid, number three. I'm not going to overthink it. All right. Uh, so here I am at number four. And, man, this is tough. Hold on. G- give me a quick second because I got I got to rethink this. I, got my, I, got I don't know why I thought Andy Reid would fall to me here. Um, that no, was, that he was, was not going to fall to preemptive uh <laughs> me and Andy Reid are going to be eating cheeseburgers is and I'm the I'm the president of the GM oh, and we're just going to be hanging out talking quarterbacks and uh and 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 designing plays and getting big guys touchdowns me and Bill Belichick probably wouldn't talk much I don't think he'd like me very much uh, <laughs> yeah. so I think that, I think I think he'd be I mean, more I'm of, not sure uh, he likes be more many like, people very much so I'd, he'd be more, you know, uh, okay, okay Mark to, uh, to your credit okay. um 
All right, this is uh, this is going to probably be another one that uh, I'm going to regret, but I want to get him before you try and steal him away from me. I'm going to go Frank Reich, the Indianapolis Oh, Cokes. he was high on my list. Good. good. I, 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 I love think, Frank. You know what? Th- that people are going to hate on you for that. Maybe I don't. I don't hate that pick at all. I I love I love that Frank Reich pick. I just think he's he's calm, cool. He's a former NFL quarterback. He he played under. You know, some great uh, regimes, you know, including Marv Levy, obviously, you know, played played with Jim Kelly. He has that experience, and then he combines all of that with um, – he's just – he's just he seems like just a great guy, and all the players love him. They rally behind him, and that's something that you can't really, uh, you know, teach in the NFL. You can't teach that type of leadership. People love Frank Reich, and he gets the most out of his players – that is uh, he doesn't an have a Super Bowl. Trait. He doesn't. He no. doesn't have a Super Bowl, but he's a guy that he came in and is just completely done so much. I, I Frank Reich, I would absolutely deserves to be in the top ten. I think of coaches in the NFL right now. I agree. It's a little high for me. I, there's a guy that I'm going to go with right away, and I, I got. I had three guys on my list that are higher than Frank Reich, but he's right there. Uh, he's right there for me. So it's a little reach for me, but I, I think it's a good pick overall. Uh, Dan, the sixth overall pick, I'm taking uh, Super Bowl winner Sean Payton. Seven okay. NFC South championships, nine playoff berches, berths. He's a coach of the year. Uh, he's got the Super Bowl ring. Uh, I, I truly cannot wait to see what he does now that he doesn't have to worry about the fact that his quarterback can't throw more than 30 yards down the field. I'm very excited to see Sean Payton this year. Sean's one of those guys, so he's got to be careful. His legacy now, a lot like Bill Belichick's, it's a little bit on that edge. He's a uh, he's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. I don't know, I mean, not first ballot, but he's a Hall of Fame coach right now. But his reputation could take a huge hit if he stinks the next five years without Drew Brees because it's a lot like with Bill Belichick. You lose Tom Brady, it's kind of that thing. But right now, I just love his offensive play design Again, he's a guy that I never have to worry about my offense being efficient. He's got a great uh, great handle with quarterbacks. And he always hires guys that seem to really fit his defensive mindset, even though he's not a defensive coach. Um, and I like, I frankly, I like how aggressive he is, and I kind of like that he's an asshole. I got to be honest. <laughs> uh, and so go. I'll, I'll, go with Sean, I'll go with Sean Payton at the uh, sixth overall, fifth okay. overall pick. Yeah, that's uh, that's a fine pick. I'm going to go with Mike Tomlin. I get my guy, Mike Tomlin, here as, oh, uh, as my next okay. pick. And look, for a, for a guy that's, you know, the, the Steelers have certainly underachieved over the past decade uh, with a team that was expected to make the Super Bowl several years. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. And for a coach that's, coached what is it is it 14 years now in the nfl that is really tough to do i mean to never be below 500 even in the year where he had to deal with mason rudolph and devlin hodges as his starting quarterbacks he was able to get them to eight and eight i think that speaks volumes about who he is as a coach who he is as a person and and how he is able to put together a team that competes week in and week out, regardless of whether you know they have shortcomings on the offensive side. He's a defensive coach, and they've had great defenses under his tenure. Uh, I think Mike Tomlin is a great leader of men, and he's still relatively young enough to uh, kind of, uh, oh yeah, you know, you know, get get along and and maybe maybe relate to some of these young players that come into the league. I think they all really like him 
and uh, and they feel that they can be comfortable around him, which is a big trade. Dan, he to me is the defensive Sean Payton. He was he is high on yeah. my list. I, I have I have one or two guys I would have taken before him, but I I don't hate the pick. I mean, listen to this: Sean Payton hired in two thousand six. Mike Tomlin hired in 2007. Sean Payton, 152 wins. Mike Tomlin, 153 wins. They both have one Super Bowl. Uh, he has seven NFC North championships. Sean Payton has seven NFC South championships. Mike Tomlin, nine playoff berths. Sean Payton, nine playoff berths. They're like the same yeah. guy. They've had very similar careers, and you could argue both of them slightly underachieving over the past couple of years, but also both of them great at the microphone, great with their sides of the ball, they, but they also they they let the other side of the ball shine too. The Saints have had very good defenses recently. The Steelers have had always very good offenses with Big Ben recently. And Mike Tomlin's credit now after seeing what Antonio Brown was when he left, you say to yourself that guy is the guy that manages personalities. And and in and I the only thing that I have Tomlin downgraded in, I still just don't like how loose his locker room can be sometimes. I just like the fact yeah. that Juju Smith like. After the Antonio Brown, like, the one time, and then it's like, okay, we got a second time, and I got Juju doing the TikTok stuff. In the lo- it's like, dude, lock up your locker room a little bit. I don't know if the players fear Mike Tomlin as much as I'd like them to. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I understand that. That's a fair criticism. All right, so this is where it gets a little tricky for me. And I might I might have to go get myself one of these Wiz kids because you've stolen two of the Wiz kids already in Frank Reich and Kyle Shanahan. I got a guy on my list. I'm not going to say his name because I don't know if you how where how high he is on your list. I'm going to go. There's goes guys too, so I feel all right. You know what? I'm going to go get him. I'm going to re. I, this is a little bit of a reach for me, but I'm going to go get him. Sean McVay. I'll take Sean McVay seventh seventh overall, mainly because you have all the you have the other Wiz kids, and I want the other Sean. I got Peyton and now McVay. You know. What I like about the idea of McVeigh is, again, I get a system. I get expertise on one side of the ball. In his short career, he's uh, he's only entering. Remember, he was only hired in 2017. So he's only entering his fifth year as a head coach. And he's got 46 wins. He's got a win percentage of six point six five seven. Uh, one NFC championship, uh, a Super Bowl appearance, two NFC West championships. And the NFC West has been arguably the best division that time. Three playoff berths, the Coach of the Year award. Uh, there's a couple guys. The next couple guys on my list are going to be, I think, a little more prestigious. Maybe have accomplished a little bit more than him. But right now, with the way the NFL's going, I, I, if I would take Sean McVay, I think Sean McVay's deserving of a top ten coach uh, spot, and and he comes in at number seven for me. A little bit of a reach, I think. Maybe I could have got him, unless you were going to go him next pick. But uh, I want to see where you go next. I, I was not going to go Sean McVay next. I was probably going to try and right. nab him later, um, but okay. not far later. Um, the, the guy I'm picking at eight here is John Harbaugh. And See, okay, so Harbaugh, who's who's guy I was going to pick? He okay. was, it was Harbaugh and McVay. Yeah, so yeah. I like that. You got eight, number eight, John Harbaugh. Okay. Yeah, I just think consistency and, um, you know, he, he just runs a tight ship, and uh, it's respectable. You know, as being a Steelers fan, obviously I've, I've been privy to a lot of uh, games against the Ravens and they're the team that the Steelers respect. Although, you know, obviously hate them as a rival, but you respect them for their talent and their ability to 
play tough week in and week out, and that's a testament to John Harbaugh. He's a guy that's won 62% of his games in the NFL. He's 129-79 in the regular season, 11-8 and in the playoffs. He's won a Super Bowl. The guy knows how to win, and he knows how to lead guys, and he knows how to make the best out of the players he has. Case in point, most recently with Lamar Jackson, them being able to get the most out of him. With a coach where many people would have said, oh, well, he's a, you know, he's an old and, uh, you know, he's not old, obviously, but he's a, a traditional style NFL coach. He's not going to be able to, you know, adapt to a only running quarterback and a primarily running quarterback, but he's been able to get the most out of Lamar Jackson to this point, led him to an MVP season. And, uh, you know, that Harbaugh family, they just know how to coach. And so, uh, John Harbaugh got to give him the credit with what he's done in Baltimore. And I think he's definitely a top 10 coach, which is why I put him here at number nine for me. And uh, he's my fourth head coach taken so far. I love that pick. I will say this. Um, I Harbaugh is the third. We've already talked about it. Sean Payton and Mike Tomlin similarities. Harbaugh's resume is like identical to those two guys. Hired in 2008, 140 wins, one Super Bowl, one AFC championship, four NFC, AFC North championships, nine playoff berths. They all three of the guys have nine playoff berths. He's got a coach the year award. In the of those three guys, I rank them Peyton, Harbaugh, Tomlin, all very close, yeah. all top ten coaches. You know, you may say Tomlin over Harbaugh one spot or whether I'm not gonna get too upset about that. Um I, I think that's a I think it's a very deserving pick, and John Harbaugh deserves more credit. And maybe I should have taken him over Sean McVay, but I wanted to get a whiz kid on my list. So do I get this uh, so number Dan, nine this pick is, here? No, I get I get um nine, you get 10 and 11. So you get okay, the next, okay. I get this one that's, and you get okay. the next two. This is why it's a gotcha, big pick gotcha, for gotcha. me. Okay. And there's a guy on here that I just, uh, I just would be so bummed if you got him. So I just have to get him. Oh, I think I know who you're going. And I may be overthinking. I'm not right, but <laughs> I may be overthinking this here a bit, but I, I, you know, with the ninth overall pick, oh, do I, reg- uh, I'm going to do it. Ninth, no, you know what? No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay true to my my draft board, and I'm gonna stay strong with my conviction. With the ninth overall pick, I'm going Ron Rivera. All right, wow. So Ron that's Rivera, actually Riverboat good, that's Ron, that's actually a solid pick, though. I, I love had him Riverboat Ron. Highly. He yeah. is re. I mean, he the what he did with Carolina and Cam Newton, and what he's already done in one year, turning around Washington football team. Here's a guy that's gonna come in. He may not out X's and O's you, but what he does so elite, I mean, besides Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick, I don't think there's a better defensive coach in the NFL. I mean, he, I, I would rank a, a Vic Fangio maybe, but as far as head coach that and that also masters his craft, he's elite at that. I mean, the guy um, with literally nothing at quarterback last year and basically riding on defense and very little weapons, I, I – I, I love Ron Rivera. I, he's a guy that you can respect at the microphone. He's going to lead your program. Players are going to respect him and can win games, gets to a Super Bowl appearance, wins champion a, a, a division championships at a high level. Um, so I'm going Ron Rivera there, and, I, and I'm very scared to hear what you say of the next two names. <laughs> For sure. Well, since I, got I have guys 10 I really 11, like. um, I'm not necessarily going to put these two guys uh, one above the other. I'm just going to take them as, as I see fit because I get both of them regardless. I'll start with yeah. number 10, and I will take Sean McDermott of the Aye. Buffalo Bills. Very and, All right, good uh, pick, good you know, pick. 
I'm pairing him with Kyle Shanahan in terms of my younger coaches uh, in this pool, young up-and-coming coaches that have had a lot of success earlier in their careers as head yeah. coaches of the league. And obviously what he's done in Buffalo speaks for itself, being able to get the most out of Josh Allen and creating a defensive powerhouse to compete in the NFC or AFC East uh, that has been dominated for so many years by the Patriots. Uh, this appears to be the Buffalo Bills division for years to come. We'll see what Brian Flores and company are able to do in uh, – in Miami to, to kind of compete with that. Um, before I go to my pick 11, Mark, do we want to recap what we've got for these first 10 so far? So, yeah. So right now my list is Bill Belichick, Andy Reed, Sean Payton, Sean McVay, Ron Rivera. Yours is Kyle Shanahan, Frank Reich, Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, Sean McDermott. Absolutely. So that is, uh, that is who we've got in the first 10. First pick I will of start round off two. round two. As we go down to these final 10, and this is actually, in my opinion, the toughest uh, toughest decision I'm making. Don't here. say his name. Don't say his name. Don't. Say so, name. I mean, there's two guys. There, it's only between two guys for me right now. Don't say and, his name. And, um, dear Lord. All right. Don't say what, do I, what do I value more in this instance? I got to uh, uh, This is so tough because one of these guys actually has proven playoff experience, and the other – not necessarily, but has so much upside. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go the upside pick here. I'm gonna go against my board on this one. I'm gonna go with Brian Flores. Ah, yes, yes. I'm you take left him. Brian All right. Flores. And... All right, I love Brian Flores. He was very, very. <laughs> but I'm glad you left a name for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I think I could probably guess. Uh, so he's number eleven. Guy Flores. is there, but uh, Flores is my guy, and that's. I just love the upside there, a, a Belichick prodigy, uh, someone that's been able to already turn around a franchise in just a matter of a year and a half, and I'm convinced that he has a lot of say in what this front office is doing, Yeah, and I think that speaks volumes to kind of how he is in terms of not just a coach, but a guy that's a, able to actually compile a roster and bring players together. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got to go Brian Flores because I'm sure that if I took – the next guy who I think you're going to take, then you would have taken him. So it's it's all relative. Number twelve overall, Mike Vrabel. Yeah, there you I, go. Of yeah, course. Mike Vrabel. Uh, you know, I'm I'm so glad to have gotten Mike Vrabel. Miss Brian Flores. That's very close, and they're it was very super similar. Close, man. They're very <laughs> similar guys. They they're high energy, uh, defensive minded, Belichick oriented. I, why I would take Vrabel over Flores, um, and and you know what. I, I don't know if I would take Vrabel over Sean McDermott. I think Vrabel, Vrabel and Brian Flores, I, I definitely agree, being very much so like just on the outside of the top 10. I want to see, obviously, Flores needs to, he's so young. He's only one year in. Yeah. Uh, or two years in, one year in. But with Vrabel, I, what I love so much is the energy. And you see him at the pro days. He's still physically like a player. Yeah, he can you play can today. see. Players respect that so much. And then how clever he is when he outsmarts Bill Belichick with those timeout things he was doing and taking the penalties. He clearly knows the game. And it's a lot why I like Dan Campbell, and I'm very excited for Dan Campbell. He's not going to make this list, but you know I've been defending the Lions' Dan Campbell hire since they hired him. Because I think even if he is 85% of Mike Vrabel, then you could end up being a top 15 coach in the league because that's how much I think of Mike Vrabel. So I'll take Vrabel at 12. And, uh, Dan, it goes to you with number 13. 
Well, this is another situation where I'm I'm a little bit torn as to to who I can pick. I and I, I'm going to base this kind of already who I have in my arsenal um, of of coaches. I'm going to try and diversify my grouping here, and I'm going to go with Pete Carroll. All right, good pick. So, he was my next a one. guy that's won a Super Bowl. He's he's won plenty of playoff games. He went 12 and four last year, and yeah, you can talk about how he's got Russell Wilson. That's fine. There's a lot of these coaches here. Bill Belichick got Tom Brady. It Pete Carroll has still been able to uh, surprise a lot of people with what he's done late in his life and late in his career. Sixty um, percent win percentage uh, in the in the NFL uh, regular season. That's uh, that's extremely impressive. And uh, you got to give him props for what he's been able to do when he came to Seattle and turned him around. He's been a guy that turns around programs his whole life, comes to Seattle, does the same, gets lucky with a quarterback, but he, he was able to win with that quarterback, and that still says something. So Pete Carroll, I'm going with the older guy, the wisdom of Pete Carroll kind of helps diversify my group here. Well, it gets you a Super Bowl winner too, another one. That, that helps your group. Um, I will say this, Pete Carroll – he would be if we did this three years ago. I would have Pete Carroll certainly in the top ten. Yeah, his age. Well, you'd say to yourself, Mark, you just made a case for the age for Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. Well, but I just think that Bill, Bill Belichick, and Andy Reid have proven that they are on a different level. That Pete Carroll to me is a lot like just old Mike Tomlin, and. I love Mike Tomlin, but Mike Tomlin's upside. I would draft him over Pete Carroll right now if I'm starting my program because his age is youth. And Pete Carroll, as much as I love what Pete Carroll brings to the table, I, I just I just don't know X's and O's exactly what Pete Carroll does that is so utterly brilliant where I know what Belichick does and I know what Andy Reid does as the older coaches. But a younger Pete Carroll, three, four years ago, yeah, it, it, it'd be a no-brainer. He's in the draft-wise top 10. Uh, and I even think if you were just to say going into next year, just one year, uh, Pete Carroll's a top 10 coach. But yeah, I think when you yeah. factor in, like I would take Pete Carroll next year over Brian Flores, uh, probably over, a, 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 you know, in my list, I would over probably Ron take Rivera, him maybe. over a, a Ron Rivera or even maybe yeah. a Sean McVay just for one year. Uh, high energy motivation guy. All right. So you have Carroll at 13. I look around then. Um, see, there. I don't want to say his name because it could give it away, but. This is where it gets thin. It's going to get these it's last getting thin. several picks are going to be. You know what? You know, I, I, I'm going to say F it, and I'm going to go John Gruden. All right. I'm, I, I'm going to wow. say. <laughs> I, I, that, that, one, that one surprised me. I'm not going to lie. You know, because in my prog- program, um, John Gruden would not have as much power as he does. Um, and what I get with John Gruden is I get I get other upside. And I don't have a 10-year contract tied to John Gruden. Right, so right. he's coaching for his life, and he's um, very good with quarterbacks. He's great at the podium. He sells tickets alone. So I would take John Gruden. He's still young, high energy. At this point in his career, he's got a Super Bowl. He's got a great resume. So I, I'll, I'll go with John Gruden. I'll take a flyer there with John Gruden as the 14th best head coach in the NFL. I think he's a top 15 head coach. I would take John Gruden over a lot of these guys. That's perfectly fair. Uh, this next one is another one where I think I'm, I'm probably reaching at this point, but I'm going to try and grab my guy 
uh, before you try and steal him away from me at one of these like sleeper picks or something like that. So that I, I think I'm reaching slightly a little bit further down my board, but I'm, I'm going to put him up here at 15 and I'm going to go with Matt rule. And the reason that I pick Matt rule here is because of the fight that he was able to instill. Like the Carolina Panthers coming into this past season was a franchise just, I mean, they lost Cam Newton. They had completely tapered off from their Super Bowl year. And it was a team that was in desperate need of an, a complete overhaul, essentially. They bring in Matt Rule, a guy who had so much success at Temple and at Baylor, was able to really um, bring teams to a level that they necessarily, like on paper, shouldn't have been. They went 5-11 and last year at Carolina, but Matt Rule... There were eight games where the Panthers lost by one possession. Eight one-possession games tells me that this is a team in his first year was battling every week and was that close to victory. So you're talking about a potential, you know, I'm not going to say they could have won all eight games, so we'll say four-game swing. That that puts you at nine and seven with a team that had no business, uh, That was a team that was completely in a rebuilding mode Matt Rule impressed me that much in year one that I think he deserves to be a top 15 coach on this board. And so I'll take him right there at the at the max at 15. I certainly wasn't going to steal him in the next two picks. He was he, okay. I had I had him eyed for like that 20th. Again, I, I love what I saw what year one. But yeah, it's just year one. Like that, it, it's tough. It's there's really tough. There's a lot tough. left to uh, left left on the table. I personally, there's other guys in this list. I would I have a little bit higher than him. Um, and I'm gonna take one of them right now. It's a guy that's name in one year. I think did a lot more than Matt Rule, and has shown a lot more in one year in far as building a program. And it's a name I thought you were gonna stag now, but since you yeah. went Matt Rule. I'm not going to sit on this guy anymore. It's a guy I want, Kevin Stefanski. Okay. Um, yeah. Head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, 12 and 6 in year one, gets to the playoffs. Um, you know, it, it's a guy, AP coach of the year. He got the most out of Baker Mayfield of any of his coaches so far. And he's a guy that um, I just think even Keel players seem to like him. You build a, if you can do that with Cleveland, and I know Cleveland's got a ton of talent. But that's still in a tough division in the AFC that's not easy. Uh, he showed a lot. And, and and you know, I I think it's a guy that he's my high upside later guy. When, you know, there's other guys. There's another guy on this list that has a Super Bowl that hasn't been picked yet. And I'm taking him over him. Young, massive upside. And, uh, and, and, and for me, if you're going first-year guys, especially between him and Matt Rule, as much as I like Matt Rule, I, I, I saw a lot more, at least I got a lot more evidence of winning and culture building overall uh, with Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, and that's, you know, what he did with Cleveland was pretty spectacular to get them to the playoffs and everything. He really turned that ship around and, you know, reinvented that organization. So I he, he was right there for me as well. He was very close. Um, I, I decided to go with Matt Rule, but um, you know they they were both rookie head coaches. Uh, we'll see how their careers kind of pan out in the long run. Obviously, Stefanski did have the benefit of having a team that was maybe a little bit further along and ready to win. At yeah. that point, they just needed to be nudged in the right direction. Um, so we'll we'll see kind of how that plays out. The next coach I'm going to pick here at 17 um, is another kind of tough 
decision because there are two real clear um, options in my mind. One person has a Super Bowl, one does not. I'm going to go with the non-Super Bowl winner. I have the experience in my lineup here so far with the with the Tomlins, the Harbaugh's, the Pete Carroll's. So I'm going to try and, and, and stay with some of the upside picks here, and I'm going to go Matt LaFleur because yeah, of what, but- what he got out of Aaron Rodgers and company in Green Bay. And look, getting to back-to-back NFC Championship games is no easy task. You can ask anyone in the league about that. That's It's very difficult to do. And yes, they didn't live up to the overall expectations of winning a Super Bowl early on. They were still able to, to win at a high level, win the division, and you know, get great play. And, and he really re- revitalized the run game in Green Bay that had been missing for several years. Mike McCarthy wasn't able to get out of Aaron Rodgers what Matt LaFleur was these past two years. Uh, so I think he has a high ceiling, even though he has one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, which can obviously taint um, your perspective on how he does as, as a coach. Uh, to me, I couldn't pass him up at 17 here. No, I, you know, I get that. I mean, you know, 28 and eight in his first two years to head coach. Yeah, I mean, I know he's got Aaron Rodgers, two NFC championship games, two, two playoff berths. You know, I, the one thing I don't like about Matt LaFleur, I, I'll just be honest. And I have some, I have some more knowledge and insight to this from other Packers fans and people I talk to, uh, there, there's been opportunities for Matt Floor to really like step up as far as becoming more of a voice and like a outward leader, and you and he's shied away from those. Matt Lafleur hasn't like gotten involved and just been. He, he's not a very social guy. He's not out there as much, and maybe that's okay. He's quiet. He sticks to himself. But I worry about that's just one of those things where I worry about a little bit of too much of the shiny you know, faced young boy genius with him a little bit. I, I certainly think he's a top 20 coach in this league for sure. Uh, I think a lot of people might argue he should be higher. Maybe he should be above a Matt rule. Maybe he should be above a Kevin Stefanski uh, from what he's done in his couple years. You know, maybe he should be a above a, a, a John Gruden even just because of more recently what he's done uh, getting farther in the playoffs. But I think it's fair. I think that's a, fa- a fair spot for Matt rule in my opinion. Um, all right, Dan, I'm going to go then. I'll go Bruce Arians. You know, Bruce Arians, yeah. again, it's one of those tough things at, at 18. Hardest thing with Bruce Arians is age, and he's just retired. I love what I get from Bruce Arians when he's there and he's committed. And uh, But, again, I think uh, if you were to say to me, hey, just for next year even alone, if I'm just desperate for a head coach, I want Bruce Arians a lot more than a lot of the rest of these guys on this list. You know what I mean? That That's yeah. just what it would come down to, even if it means I only got him for one year. Or maybe if you you know if you're coaching in Miami or Tampa or Arizona or in somewhere in the South of LA, is a warm weather climate, you can get him for a couple of years. Uh, but I still think he's a very good head coach, and I think he's the one name that people are going to see in this list. And be like, wow, he went so low. Mark and Dan maybe are devaluing him. We again, it's like we're taking into account. I'm starting my organization. I want obviously as many years from this head coach as I can. That's why you might see. Uh, uh, some of these younger names of Brian Flores go ahead of a of a of a Super Bowl winner in Bruce Arians. And remember, Bruce Arians he got the Cardinals very far with he Kurt did. Warner uh, and and then, and Carson and, and, Palmer and, and Carson well, Palmer. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. those were those were very and what he did with the Colts in the year that uh, Chuck Pagano had the cancer. I mean, he's a proven winner at, as a head coach spot. So. I, and then, obviously, with the Super Bowl title this year, I think he's certainly a top 20 coach, definitely, in the NFL. 
I would have I would have jumped on that with this next pick if you didn't take him. So it was, it was your good, final pick. Good pick 19. in my eye. Yeah, my final pick here in nineteen, and I think I'm going to go with a. You know, the, this is a little bit uh, difficult too because I can go basically into two extremes here. I think I'm going to go with a boring pick on this one. And man, despite a, a rough twenty twenty. Uh, this is a coach that has established himself in the league as someone that's respected, someone that uh, can really get a team to that next level despite not having necessarily the number of playoff wins that you would want out of a head coach. I'm going to go Mike Zimmer. And, yes, you know, the big reason for Mike Zimmer that I pick is, is his defensive mind. He's extremely good at putting together defenses and they had a really down year this past year on that side of the ball particularly but I mean you people forget that this past decade the Vikings defense was really really good for pretty much every season and uh, and that's a lot of credit to Mike Zimmer and he's been able to sustain for a while and he he wins more than he loses I mean I know that's kind of weird to say but he was 66 50 and one in his career and, uh, you know, they, they had some high moments like the Minneapolis miracle and things like that, you know, that the team does rally and, and he's able to win with Kirk Cousins at quarterback, who is not a terrible quarterback, but certainly not one that, you know, Pete Carroll has had, or even that Mike Tomlin's had. So, uh, Mike Zimmer has done a lot with a little at times in this league. And, uh, he's also an Illinois state alum. So go Redbirds. I'm going Mike Zimmer. No, I love that pick. I, Mike Zimmer is you could do a lot worse in if you are if you if the NFL were to say we're doing starting fresh, every organization now has to draft coaches, you could do a lot worse than Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer's a guy who will come in. I don't know if he is gonna elevate you to a Super Bowl, but you're gonna be but disciplined. He can establish a culture. It's well coached. And if and if Mike Zimmer I, I mean, just think about it. If all of a sudden you put I'm gonna pick a just not even like an what about the name? Um, yeah, I'm going to pick this name. If you gave Kyler Murray to Minnesota right now, wouldn't you say, "Well, I love that." Mike Zimmer's going to win a bunch of games with yeah. a Kyler Murray. Yeah, you'd you know what I mean? Playoff team instantly. You know? Well, oh uh, yeah, they're no, definitely so making I, the playoffs. And and it was a down year for him, and I and I think that wore off some of the shot. But he's a, I agree, Mike Zimmer's a very good coach. And you look at some of the names left on this list. I certainly would take Mike Zimmer above a lot of them. And that's why it comes to me, the final pick, number 20 overall. I'm going to go with a man who um, we have now seen in four years as a head coach uh, deal with uh, absolute, you know, up and downs, craziness, uh, three years, excuse me, as a head coach, and has a winning record, two playoff appearances, a, a, a coach of the year award, and someone who I think now it's becoming more and more clear is dealing with a general manager who is completely <laughs> yeah. in over his head. I'm going Matt Nagy. I yeah. lo- and a lot of it is you look at the list and we're about. I'll read off some of the names that didn't get chosen. I would make the argument. I would rather start my program fresh with me as the general manager and Matt Nagy than a lot of these other guys, uh, just because. They're, the locker room buys, and he never lost the locker room. I don't love the way he handled Mitch Trubisky. I don't love the way he's handled play calling. I think at times it's very cute. But, again, it's proven if this guy has talent on his roster, and there, he's a, he can build a winning culture. You know, the club dub things people make fun of. I think Matt Nagy is, a t- is, is about the 20th best head coach 
in the NFL, and so I'll put him there. And yeah, I uh, like did, that pick. Absolutely. I you mean, know, what the he's argument... Coach of the year. If he won a coach of the year and he's in the remaining, you got, he's got to be top 20. So the, the argument is, and I, I here's the list of some of the guys left off. Here would be the next closest guy. Obviously, Mike McCarthy's a Super Bowl winner. Uh, in his career, you know, 141, you know, 147 wins. You know, that's that's a that's a name that would be right there he's next there. to me. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I there. would say then the next names that would also be right there for me would be um, probably. I'd have Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury close. would be the next one. I would agree. Yeah. I'd go yeah, Cliff Kingsbury. And a and lot of these guys, mind you, are, are going to be brand new coaches that we just then, haven't seen enough of. It's I hard mean, to, to literally, learn. literally you say, Mark, oh my God, you chose Matt Nagy. All right, are you choosing Zach? Okay, so let's play this game. Are you yeah. choosing Cliff Kingsbury or or Matt Nagy? Yeah, I'm, I'm, take, choosing, I'm probably taking Matt Nagy. Yeah. I'll take Matt Nagy. Are you taking Arthur Smith, the new Falcons head coach, or Matt Nagy? Matt Nagy. I'll take Matt Nagy. I know what I I know what I'm getting there. Would you take Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach, or Matt Nagy? Matt Nagy. Yeah. I agree. Would you take Mike McCarthy or Matt Nagy? It's close. I'll take Nagy. It is a bit close, but I would take Nagy because I think there's way more upside there. Vic Fangio or Matt Nagy? It's close. Uh, Nagy, Fangio's, Nagy uh, edges Fangio. I like Fangio a lot. But slightly, I, I think Nagy's I think a better, at least, culture guy. Like, Vic I think Fangio is the, is, the, is the coach equivalent of Teddy Bridgewater. The <laughs> yeah, best, best backup Teddy Bridgewater or best defensive coordinator, a serviceable head coach. I think, my, I think my ceiling is higher with Matt Nagy than Vic Fangio. So, obviously, David Culley, not a question. Urban Meyer's close. I, I would may I was maybe gonna yeah. take a flyer yeah. on Urban, Urban Meyer. I could argue that you would be. I wouldn't necessarily push back if you say I would take Urban over Matt Nagy. I'll take Matt Nagy. I Brandon's, actually think Robert Sell is gonna be a, head, a good head coach. I know a so lot of yeah. people are questioning that. I think Robert Sell and, and again, Joe Judge, as you mentioned, has been again. Uh, Sala Judge. I would say flyer on them over Matt Nagy. I wouldn't argue too much. I'll take Matt Nagy over Sala and Judge. Brandon Staley, you're like, who the hell's that? Yeah, he's the head coach of the <laughs> yeah. Chargers. I'd take Nagy over Brandon Staley. And then finally, I think who's who should be 32nd place going into this year is uh, is Nick Sirianni, the Eagles head coach, who was yeah. barely a coordinator for like and maybe a day. 31. Then would you put like da- like David Coley would be 31? It's basically like David Coley and Nick Sirianni battling yeah. for the and then I, and Yeah, and then I would put. I honestly would take Dan Campbell. Oh, that's tough. I don't but know. Dan, he might be 30 for me. Dan Campbell might, he be, might 30. be 30. I, I, but I, I, he might be 30, but I, I don't know. Who would I, take? I would take Dan Campbell. All right. I'm going to go on a limb. I would take Dan Campbell over Zach Taylor, David Culley. I would take him over Nick Sirianni. I would take Dan Campbell over Brandon Staley, the Chargers guy. I yeah. listen. I like, he's 30, like two. I like him a lot, but he's not a former player. Dan Campbell at least I know the locker room. There'll be times where the guys go, Jesus, this guy's insane. And I kind of like, you kind of maybe like that. I don't know. But yeah, yeah those are your, bo- so when you say. He just strikes list- me as someone that's going to like, you know, do, do some really poor time management. Yeah. In his first year. It's got to be probably. like, he's going to take a timeout with like three and a half minutes. But he's also go. smart. He's and he hired a bunch of smart people. I mean, he, he hired, he, he hired Anthony Lynn. He, he hired guys around him who have experience. So people are going to see this, and we're going to publish this list. And I'm, if you listen to the list, if you listen to this podcast right now, still listening, and then you see the list, that's my explanation. Because people just see, they're going to just see the list when we post this on social media and be like, what the hell, Mark? You took Matt Nagy as one of the top 20 coaches. 
well, there's like six brand new coaches, and then there's six other guys who are a year in who it's like, I just don't know. Yeah, yeah, Matt Nagy's at least one, and he's proven he can get to the playoffs. You know, so they, yeah. you've got to have Nagy in the top 20. I, I don't even think that's a question. In my mind, I agree with you. I think, and you could have, you could have probably argued Nagy could have fit anywhere between 17 and 20. You know, he could have fit in there. Uh, but Dan, these, I some of these honest, other guys have, have been a little bit more proven. So I think if when we put this up, and I'll, I'll make the list and I'll put it on up, I think when we put this up, you're going to get crushed a little bit. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, we'll I see. just think we'll when see. you look at my I, list and you see Bill Belichick Andy Reid, like Sean Payton, yeah, it's, like it's, one, it's, two, three. That compared to Kyle Shanahan, Frank Reich, and Mike Tomlin's a little brutal. Look, that's fine, but I think I think you when do we go down the depth, depth. And, and upside, I think we have, have my, depth and upside is on my side. I think your upside, the, you do have an upside. Upside. I mean, you look, do. I have the upside of Flores, Sean McDermott, Matt Rule, Lafleur, Kyle Shanahan. Like right. I have guys that can absolutely bust yeah. off. Um, and, and then I got that Pete Carroll to kind of, you know, throw in that, uh, that experience to somewhat compete. I agree. Your, your top hat, your top, you know, few picks there is really hard to argue with, but, uh, but I, I'm, I'm happy this with was fun. I'm happy this with was the fun. list. This was a so. long, this was longer than we thought it would be. And if you're still listening, God bless you. Did we just, yeah. this was fun for us. Kudos. <laughs> but yeah, no, as we mentioned earlier, um, definitely stay tuned. We're going to have a, an episode next week. Uh, you know, kind of talking about some of the quarterbacks in this draft as we get pretty much full head of steam into draft mode. And then the week of the draft, we're going to have our entire first round mock draft that we're going to kind of select alternating like we did here in the draft. So stick with us. Be sure to, to stay tuned. As always, we're on Twitter, Facebook. Go find us. Check us out. Uh, and we'll see you all here next week.